0: Hey folks, welcome back to a new edition of The Herd. It's your host here, David Shepard, MLA for Edmonton City Center. Proud new Democrat coming to you from my living room, looking outside at a bit of a snowstorm here in the midst of, well, a worldwide COVID-19 pandemic. That's certainly, I think, been probably the biggest elephant in the room for pretty much all of us. So many people working from home, staying from home, kids home from school. We're seeing businesses, all sorts of things across the province shutting down. It's a very different way of life that we're finding ourselves in right now. And it's also been true over at the Alberta Legislature. Uh, Things have been a little different for us. We had a budget go through and since then we we had one emergency piece of legislation and we've kind of been holding and waiting to see what the next steps are going to be. But of course, the government keeps moving and steps keep happening. They've uh, they've made a number of changes in the meantime. So we're going to talk about some of that today. We're going to talk about some of the big announcement on the weekend, the education cuts, talk with the mother and her daughter who were affected by those cuts. But first of all, let's talk about one of the biggest stories to break this past weekend. On Friday, we had a CBC article that was released that told us that Health Minister Tyler Shandro uh, who's been in a bit of a fight with uh, doctors across the province for a few months now. Tore up their contract at the end of February, forcing through a bunch of uh, changes and cuts to primary care and doctors' compensation. It's created a lot of controversy and concern as doctors have been out actively advocating for their patients. So there was some controversy over a business which the minister's wife owns, and a new app that was released by, uh, by Telus, the Babylon app, which provides virtual care, lets people talk to Alberta licensed doctors, uh, and basically sort of a virtual walk-in clinic. Doctors were upset about a number of things, and so there was a meme that went out on Facebook, a little picture of the minister sort of talking about how he could make some money for himself personally by privatizing healthcare services. A doctor put this up, who lives in the neighborhood with the minister. The minister decided, him and his wife, uh, a week ago Saturday night, they walked down to this doctor's home. They told his children to go inside, because they didn't want to hear what was about to happen. The doctor came outside, stood in his driveway to talk with Minister Shandro and his wife, and Minister Shandro and his wife proceeded to publicly berate, yell at this physician, as he stood in his driveway in front of his house with his wife and kids inside, all of their neighbors watching because the minister was upset over this Facebook meme so that CBC article came out on Friday uh, there was a number of fo- folks stood up and called for the minister to step down including uh, uh, ourselves at the Alberta NDP caucus the official opposition consider this incredibly inappropriate behavior for a minister of the crown to to be going out to someone's home A number of uh, number of folks in the media, others that were sort of speaking out uh, with great concern about this event. Uh, Premier Kenny doubled down and said, "Well, no, I stand with Minister Shandro and defended him. We have not seen the minister or the premier offer an apology or any change." Folks are continuing to call for the minister to step down because of this antagonistic relationship he's created with health care workers. And so, indeed, I got a lot of emails over the weekend as the official opposition health critic from people that were very concerned about uh, Minister Shandro's behavior and, in fact, calling for him for, to resign or be removed from his position in cabinet. One of those emails was from a Dr. Luke Rinelli. Uh, Dr. Rinelli is a general internal medicine physician that works at the Rocky View General Hospital in Calgary. He said, you know, I've spent the majority of my 20s in a hospital, had over 10 years of medical training, and as an internist, I'm on the front line of the COVID pandemic. I spent this week running a COVID-19 ward. I've spent the week taking direct care of sick patients and have unfortunately already been involved in a palliative care case of a patient with known COVID. This is heartbreaking. In addition, I have two young children, a three-week-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old, and and I risk my safety and possible exposure to my family every day. But I'm not asking for an award or thanks. This is my job. However, today I'm absolutely disgusted by our health minister and cannot tolerate this behavior any further. I disagree with the approach the UCP government have taken to physician code changes, and I believe in the ongoing dialogue with the AMA. But the article today in the CBC about Minister Chandra is the final straw. This is not becoming of someone in a public office. I am risking my life to work for a health minister that's acting like a child and worse, a bully. The support for Minister Shandro that Premier Kenny showed on Friday just added insult to already exhausted frontline health care workers that are preparing for a battle of our lifetime. I truly believe this government has no idea the stress that is coming for us. It seems Mr. Shandro is more concerned with his Twitter account acting like a testosterone-juiced bully that would rather start fights than support the people he has been assigned to oversee. It seems Mr. Shandro is more concerned with his Twitter account acting like a testosterone-juiced bully that would rather start fights than support the people he's been assigned to oversee. I'm asking no pleading with you to advocate for his immediate removal from Cabinet. The College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta states that I must advocate for a colleague that I feel is no longer safe or cannot perform their job safely. I would ask that you seriously reevaluate his performance and leadership. So, that from Dr. Gunelli, who is one of those frontline doctors who are out there facing down the COVID 19 pandemic. And that's where the biggest concern for this really comes in. Minister Shandro is the leader of our health care system here in the province of Alberta. He is the head of that system, he is in charge. At a time when we are facing one of the biggest health crises we've maybe ever faced in this province, he is taking the time to go and yell at someone who posted a meme he does not like. He has already lost so much faith with healthcare workers in the province of Alberta and in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic, we need a leader that people have faith in, that they can trust, that can have good judgment. Now, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic is one of the other big stories that's been happening now, shaping so much of what's happening around us in the prophets. So that was a big story that happened on Friday. From there, we are moving on and we're talking about one of the big th- big concerns in the province, and again, one of the reasons folks are asking for the minister to be stepping down is because all of this happened in the midst of the global pandemic. COVID-19, working its way across the province, healthcare professionals everywhere on high alert. You know, some folks I've talked to saying goodbye to their families because they're gonna be isolating from their families for the next few weeks because they don't wanna expose them if they get exposed in their work at the hospitals or in other places. In the midst of that it was the minister's priority to go and yell at a physician for a Facebook meme. But the reality is we have COVID-19 making its way uh, across the province, indeed across Canada, Every, pretty much every country in the world is dealing with this right now. Currently 690 confirmed cases of COVID-19 here in the province of Alberta, 6,287 total in Canada. So COVID-19, of course, is a, something called a coronavirus. Uh, symptoms, people, you know, if you're experiencing cough, fever, tiredness, difficulty breathing, those are the symptoms of COVID-19. So if you are experiencing any of those symptoms or even mild flu-like symptoms, there's the COVID-19 self-assessment test. So if you go online to alberta.ca backslash COVID-19, you can find the information, you can get access that self-assessment test. So if you suspect that you may be having symptoms of COVID-19, Start with the self-assessment. After the self-assessment, if it directs you, call HealthLink at 811. And so the self-assessment tool will tell you either, hey, you know what? You should just self-isolate for a while, or it may suggest, hey, you've got, there's reasons you should call 811, get further instructions. Don't go to an emergency room. Don't go to a doctor's clinic. If you need a medical med- needed a medical attention, call 911. Let them know that you have COVID-19 or that you may have COVID-19. And then uh, they can take steps from there. So for folks that are returning for international travel or if you've been hanging around or close contacts with anybody that has tested positive for COVID-19, it's mandatory now that you self-isolate for 14 days. So that's stay in stay in your home. You don't go out in public. You don't go to the grocery store. You don't go for a walk around the neighborhood. You can you know, you know can sit on your front step. You can go out in your backyard, but you do not leave your property and expose yourself to other people. Mandatory 10-day self-isolation for people that have symptoms that are not related to a pre-existing illness or health condition. So again, that cough, fever, shortness of breath, runny nose or sore throat. I myself had some mild flu-like symptoms. And so I indeed undertook that mandatory 10-day self-isolation uh, to, to make sure that I was being safe and protecting everybody. Restrictions on mass gatherings and businesses are now legally enforceable. So you might have heard there was a limit of the gatherings, no more than 50 people. That has now been lowered to 15. That's now legally enforceable and it is subject to fines. So police officers, other officers of the law, they can, if they see a group of more than 15 gathering, they can break that up and they could find the individuals participating. So that includes conferences, workshops, worship gatherings, family events, weddings, funerals, social gatherings, outdoors. There's been some big changes now in that we have gone down to only allowing essential services to be open. So that means retail, health, beauty care, most retail closed down. All public recreation and entertainment Closed down. Bars and nightclubs that don't allow minors, no sit down service at restaurants, no personal services, and all non emergency, non critical health care is shut down as well. So, good thing I got my teeth cleaned about three weeks ago. <laughs> All of that is also enforceable by uh, by law, officers, officers of law with potential fines. So these are all things, it's a real big shift for everybody. So many of us now working from home, uh, kids of course being home from school, that's been a real challenge now for parents as well as they navigate that. But it's also been a real challenge for child care centers. So my colleague, Raki Pancholi has been uh, talking about this. She held a press conference the other day to highlight the challenge that child care centers face. Because of course, if you're running a childcare care center you now have no kids so therefore no income coming in but they still have to pay for rent they still have to pay for utilities they still have other costs and of course we want these child care centers to be there once the COVID-19 pandemic passes people are going to need to have places for their kids to go back to uh, for, for care during the summer when we get back into the fall and when all this is passed We need childcare. So uh, my colleague Raki Pancholi has been calling on the provincial government to provide provincial support. There's money that was intended for wage subsidies and some other things that were there. And since that's no longer going to that, that's money that could be used to support childcare centers and uh, help them them cover some of their costs to ensure those businesses will be able to survive the pandemic and be there for folks when they need them afterwards. So that's incredibly important. And then one of the other things that happened over the weekend, big decision that was made from the government there, major concern for many, big announcement on a Saturday afternoon, some say perhaps they were trying to distract from a little bit of the noise around Minister Chandro, but the UCP government uh, announced that they are making massive cuts, a drastic cut to the education funding for our public school board. So here's a little context, two weeks ago, Uh, when there was the announcement that came out that they were going to be closing down schools, so all the kids were going to be needing to stay home to lessen the spread and help contain COVID-19. When the government made that promise, Minister Adriana LaGrange, she was asked, are you going to change any of the funding for the schools? And she said, no, they would maintain the full amount of funding that they had committed for the school year. Well, this Saturday we found out that that was a lie. Uh, The government announced that they are in fact cutting $128 million from funding for education for the 2019-2020 school year. And they directed directed school boards to fire thousands, over 20,000 education assistants, substitute teachers, bus drivers, custodians, and other support staff. So think about that. At a time when so many other people are unable to work, at a time when we are as elected officials and as governments are trying to encourage employers to keep their employees working, keep them on the payroll to get through COVID ni- the COVID-19 pandemic. The government, incredible hypocrisy, doing exactly the opposite, forcing school boards to lay off over 20000 Albertans. That may be the, one of the largest layoffs to ever take place en masse in the province of Alberta and potentially across Canada. This is absolutely intense. And one of the concerns is the effect this is going to have. Because... Education assistants, for example, and maybe substitute teachers and some others, they were helping teachers develop the online classes and the online curriculum that's going to be taught to students. You think about that, this is a massive shift for schools now to have to go from teaching in class to all of a sudden offering all their classes and supports online. That's something that takes a lot of work and teachers can't do that alone. So these are folks that have been helping put this stuff together and deliver it. Not only that, some of these bus drivers have been driving food so schools would have nutrition programs, so they've been driving meals out to kids who needed it, who aren't getting those meals because they're no longer at school. They've been helping to deliver homework and other supports out to students. And educational assistants have been helping students with special needs. So the thing is, think about that. Kids that have special needs, that have challenges that are autistic or have other developmental disabilities, they have educational assistance that help them in school, help provide them with a routine, help provide them with a friendly face. So when they're struggling, when they become what's called dysregulated. So when they're having, when they're anxious, they may have a panic attack. They may get angry. They may get in an emotional state. These educational systems help talk them down, help calm them down, help them get their work done, help them to function. They become like a part of the family. Some, and what we have now is the government essentially is saying, not only do these kids have the disruption now of being forced to stay home to do their schooling, so they're breaking their routine for kids for whom routine is so important, now they are taking away their educational assistance, folks who've been phoning these kids every day. been skyping them going on google hangout talking with them helping them through their classwork help talking them through giving them their personal cell numbers so that these kids can call them when they need that help jason Kenney and the ucp with their cut of 128 million are taking those supports away so I have a conversation now. I have got got to dial up Uh, a mother up in Fort McMurray, Nancy King, whose daughter, Stephanie, is in grade 12 this year, just about to graduate. They struggled for years to get her help nine years ago. It's made a huge difference for her. She wants to become an educational assistant because of how much of a difference it made in her life. So I'm gonna dial up Nancy. We're gonna talk about how these cuts are affecting her and her daughter, Stephanie. Uh, I have here with me Nancy King. She's uh, up in Fort McMurray. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me today, Nancy. No worries. Excellent. So, uh, so, so, tell me, Nancy, how did you hear about the uh, the layoffs uh, this past weekend?
1: Through Facebook, um, I and had been on a phone call with a guiding member. I'm I'm a member of girl guide to Canada, and I was on a phone call with a guiding member, and she mentioned something too, and it didn't really hit me. And then I looked again at Facebook and I thought, oh, my gosh, like and then the impact. My daughter's in her grade 12 year. She's supposed to graduate this year. And here's a headline that says having supports to EAs across the province. And like it was just devastating.
0: So what kind of supports does your daughter get?
1: Um, so she has an EA in all of her classes when she's in school, um, that EA helps her to learn with modifications for, for any number of things. It's like an extension to having our family really, um, she'll she'll find different ways for Stephanie to understand and to be able to, um, to communicate what she needs to communicate to the teachers in order to show her level of understanding. Right now, the EAs are checking in with her every day. They're giving her their personal phone numbers so that she can reach out anytime wow. she needs to. Um, when she goes into Google Hangouts with her teachers, the EA is in there. And if there's no other students in there, then the EA is in the background getting the other students who aren't there to join the class so that they can be learning as well. Um overall like I-, I couldn't even tell you what these eas are doing for these children that's how much de- it- it's hard to put into words
0: um, So it sounds like it's a very close and personal relationship
1: definitely we fought for a lot of years to get the supports that we needed for stephanie it was about nine years ago that she finally received some diagnosis then we were able to get the supports through schools um the relationship gets so close and so personal that at times you just take it for granted and you don't even necessarily know it's there because it's just Mm -hmm. another of what goes on every day. But I can tell you when it disappears, you definitely know that it's not there. And when we found that she wasn't going to have her support, it just like, it's, it's terrifying. So my daughter, I teach my daughter.
0: (laughs) Indeed. So what, what difference did it make? When your daughter started getting these supports in school, how, how did you see things change for her?
1: Oh, I mean, her anxiety levels decreased. She's able to function at school every day. I wasn't getting phone calls home about uh, behaviors at school. She was being able to get her marks into, like I'm not looking for a 90 or 100% average, but she was able to get her marks to a point where we're we have her on track to go to to college so that she can become an ea because that's what her actual aspiration is um like i couldn't have done that my on my own and the teachers couldn't have done that without the support of the ea either they've got 30 some odd other children in there that they need to individually teach and trying to cater to to my daughter's specific needs is very Mm -hmm. difficult
0: so your your daughter has been, I guess, uh, as all the students are in the province, at home now because of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, how's that transition been for her, sort of trans- transitioning to online learning? Well,
1: that's been a tough
0: one. So,
1: okay. Um, up until last week, Stephanie has always refused yeah. to do homework at home, and that's because. I mean, she has a hard day. She has to go to school. She has to figure out how to do this while she's at school, and how to hold herself together, and how to cope with just getting out of bed some mornings. You know, um, she's got autism, she's got Tourette's, and she's full of anxiety. So okay. we just, at the beginning of each school year, we meet with the CST or the teacher, and we'd say, "Hey, like homework's just something we don't do because we're not willing to, we're not willing to let that barrier um, become." disruptive at home because it's just not fair to her. It's not fair to us. It creates a really negative home life balance. So you can imagine how scary it was when they said, now this child has to come home and learn at home because she doesn't do that. She can't do that. Never has been able to, um, her teachers and her EAs have been amazing. And we've actually we've actually been able to do it. She's been on track the whole time. She's been on all of her Google Hangout meets with her teachers. Um, she's handing her assignments in on time. She's ahead on some of them. It's been an am- amazing transition, but it would not have happened without the support of the EAs and the teachers.
0: So what are your concerns now? I mean, so the the province has basically told the school boards they will not get funding. They've told them basically to fire all the educational assistants. What is that going to mean for you and Stephanie?
1: Well, I don't know how I'm going to be able to continue to work at home if she doesn't have the support she needs because I'm going to have to fill that role Um, because somebody has to. I mean. This little girl, she's not a little girl, this young lady has had her heart set on going to college in September and come hell or high water, we're going to do what we can to make it work. But it could put my own career on hold in order to make that happen and and that career is important in itself. I actually am the operations manager at a childcare center in Fort McMurray that's closed Mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. But on top of that, we've been in that field experiencing quite a few cuts as well. Yes. So I've been behind the scenes working from home trying to trying to combat that on my own. And that's been difficult too. Um, well, not on my own. I have great support from a, from a board. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to have to put that on hold to have to work with Stephanie. But if I have to, I mean, like, Stephanie needs to be able to succeed. And it, it's just... I don't
0: know it's just really cool so this is a decision that really ripples out in a lot of respects for you so the government is sort of saying well why are we paying for people if they don't need to be there but it's clear these educational assistants are making a big difference for your for Stephanie and for your family and now that impacts your career and potentially impacts the child care center so multiple economic impacts coming out of this one decision
1: (laughs) absolutely absolutely and you know like we're talking about children who already are potentially falling between the cracks and who already are vulnerable and already have justified and identified needs if they have an EA support. Yeah. And here we are just taking them to the edge of the cliff. We're not talking about falling between cracks anymore, but take them to the edge of the cliff and let's just push them over. You know, like we're we're past anything that seems rational in this decision.
0: And so if I'm hearing you correctly, Stephanie's supposed to be graduating this year.
1: Absolutely.
0: And so they're putting her in a very dangerous position. They're really risking that for her by taking away these supports.
1: Fully risking it. I mean, she's had her heart set on being at Keanu College in September in the EA program. She's had her heart set on that for probably the last three years. Um, She's a Girl Guide member. She's always done a lot of volunteer work with the younger levels of Girl Guides. And through that, she identified she wants to be an EA. And I, I mean... This could, could set her back an entire year.
0: Hmm. It's, it strikes me as being incredibly short-sighted and somewhat cruel to suddenly just pull that away at the last minute.
1: Absolutely cruel. I'm also concerned for the other children. I'm not just concerned for Stephanie, obviously, but I'm of concerned course. for children whose parents don't know how to advocate, whose parents might not be able to give up their afternoon and sit beside her and um, like alter their work arrangements so that they can give her their child the support they need what about the parents that are still all working and have latchkey kids sitting at home right now yeah. who's helping that child
0: have you had the conversation with stephanie have you explained to her what's happened
1: she knows what's happening um she actually interviewed with ctv with me earlier today as well oh, okay She's sitting here she'd be happy to come over and give you a, a few answers if you had questions
0: Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. She she's got a moment. Wouldn't mind just asking her what she, her thoughts? Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Hi, Stephanie. How you doing? Good. Yeah, thanks for joining. So, just been talking with your uh, talking with your mom about this decision by the government. Now they've taken away your educational assistant that you've been working with. How does that? Uh, how does that make you feel?
1: I mean, it's different. It's certainly a new challenge to overcome. I suppose. I mean, working with. <laughs> Working with what you have at home, I suppose, is also something. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. What difference does it make for you having an educational assistant?
1: I mean, they're kind of like helping behind the scenes. Like they're more more or less family in a sense. Like they they help while you can't be with your family, kind of deal. When you're going to school, but right. <laughs> they definitely provide. So- um, mental health supports as well like they when she's when she's feeling like she's starting to lose control of her self-regulation and and she's feeling triggers she knows who her safe people are and that's definitely her EAs Um, and they probably can see it before she can see it because they spend so much time with her so they're able to help head off these, these kinds of outbursts that might happen and and just like meltdowns
0: yeah so, Stephanie, you're hoping to go to Keanu College in September, so you've got a couple months of school to finish before you can do that. How are you feeling about that challenge?
1: I mean, I don't think it's inachievable, so we'll continue with how it's going for now, I
2: suppose. <laughs> okay.
0: If you had a chance to uh, to talk with Premier Kenny and and share how you're feeling about his decision to make this cut and take away your educational system, what would you want to say?
1: I would say it's unfair and he should try and he should look at what he's doing before he does it. Like he should rebook at it, I guess.
0: Yeah. Understand how it's going to impact other people. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you to both of you. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Stephanie. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts.
1: Yeah, no worries.
0: Oh, there we go. So big thanks to Nancy and Stephanie for taking some time to talk with us a little bit about uh, the challenges they're facing as a result of these education cuts. And, you know, it's something I've been hearing about and thinking about a lot, uh, the the challenges for kids and for parents as we sort of have this time now where all the kids are at home. And online learning in school is only going to take up so much time of the day. You got to look for other things to do. So I'd be interested to hear from you, from our listeners, you know, how are you you as parents, or uh, as siblings, or as kids yourselves, even. How are you coping with all of this time at home? What fun things are you find to do? What kind of ideas are you trying out? What things are you maybe checking out online or streaming? So yeah, send us send us a message. You know, you can find us at, at uh, the Herd Pod on Twitter or Instagram. You can find us on Facebook, and let us know. You know, what you're how you're spending your time while you're trapped at home for COVID 19 uh, during. the COVID-19 pandemic. So to wrap things up this week, I thought I'd share with you a couple of things that we've been doing to try to provide a little extra entertainment for folks at home uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic and especially for kids. Now, this was a really cool project. Last Friday, uh, Rachel Notley, so leader of the official opposition, uh, she decided she was gonna have a little bit of fun. She does a lot of pressers and a lot of press conferences and we've been doing a lot of Facebook Lives. She decided to do a Facebook Live just for Kids. So we reached out and we asked kids to send in questions and suggestions and to put in questions in the comments. So last Friday, Rachel held her first press conference for kids and she got a lot of good questions. Uh, There's quite a few questions about the COVID 19 pandemic. So folks just kind of uh, concerned and uh, or kids wanting to learn and understand a little bit more about that that coronavirus. So Rachel answered some questions like that. She talked about what she likes to do at home and questions like what will happen to people who lose their jobs. So let's say. Take a little listen to a clip with Rachel.
3: Um, let's see. Preston, six years old, asks, "When can we go back to school?" Well, most people are saying right now that it's most likely Preston that you'll get to go back to school in September. Um, and it's really important that we listen to the chief medical officer um, in case that changes. But right now, that's what most people think will happen: is that uh, kids will get to go back to school in September. So I know it's hard. You you had to leave school. Earlier than you thought and you didn't necessarily get to say uh, goodbye to all your friends uh, before you had to leave school um, but hopefully you're finding ways to keep in touch with them um, between now and September of course you're, you're uh, watching on Facebook so you know how to keep in touch with them over social media but here's an idea too: something you might want to do some afternoon if you're a little bit bored write a letter to your friends and maybe draw them some pictures and uh, and and see if maybe there's a way Way for someone to drop that off into their mailbox because getting a letter can sometimes be fun too and it's also a fun thing to work on uh, while you're at home um, anyway Annie who is eight years old asked me can you get the virus from touching hard surfaces and the answer to that question is yes um, you can definitely uh, get the if, if someone with the virus has touched something uh, and then walked away and they did, maybe didn't know that they had the virus um, then someone else can come along and touch it and then get it. See, a door handle is a really common uh, surface that where um, someone can have, uh, leave the virus, and then someone else can get it. Um, and that's why it's really important, too, that if you have a cough, um, instead of coughing into your hand and then, you know, you've got sort of um, uh, little bits of droplets on your hand, and then you go and touch the door, and then you've got, or you open the fridge, or you know how it is. Um, uh, instead, if you cough, you should just cough into your elbow like this. And that way, you're not opening the door with the inside of your arm, you're not touching things with the inside of your arm, and so you're less likely, if you happen to have any kind of virus, to let it spread to anything around where you are. And so that's why you hear everybody saying, cough into your arm like this, and, and nod into your hand like this, and, uh, and then make sure you wash your hands as Ishwin, who is nine wants to know what my favorite puppy breed is. Now Ishwan's favorite is a Yorkie and that's why she wants to know and I will say Yorkies are awfully adorable dogs. Honestly all dogs are adorable. Interestingly I'm actually a big fan usually of big dogs but I will say I saw the cutest video yesterday I don't know if you guys have seen this online it was a little like a little chihuahua that was doing yoga uh, in his apartment beside his dad in Italy. So this guy living in Italy was doing yoga, talking in Italian to his little um, chihuahua, and he had the chihuahua doing all the yoga moves beside him. It was very cute. I suggest that you look that up. So. Anyway, not that Chihuahuas are my favorite breed, but I got shout out to the Chihuahuas who do yoga right now because that was pretty cool. So my favorite breed, it's hard to say, my dog is named Tucker, and I got, we got him from a rescue, and so he has lots of different breeds, probably German Shepherd, a little bit of Collie, we sometimes joke, maybe a bit of Coyote. Um, it's hard to say, uh, and so the Tucker is really my favorite breed, um, but I like, furry dogs with floppy ears and big eyes and so there's lots of different dogs that that fit those that um, description and then also the pointy-eared dogs are also cute really all dogs. I like so that. Eric and um, Mateus, 10 and 12, who's your favorite or what's your favorite Marvel movie or Marvel superhero? Well Uh, There's a lot of them, and interestingly, this was a thing I was going to start doing about three months ago, and then of course my job hasn't allowed me to, but um, uh, my daughter started watching all the Marvel superheroes. Um, a while ago and so we got we've started um, watching them but we haven't gotten all the way through yet Um, and there's so many good ones I have to say Um, I like okay so of course spider-man is very cool all the different versions of spider-man I love spider-man he's pretty cool Um, Ant-Man is actually a Marvel superhero And he is very funky. I like his sense of humor. Uh, I really liked that one. Um, And then uh, I did kind of like Iron Man. And I know he's not really the most popular, but, you know, I sort of liked him too. Um, And, yeah, and, of course, I'm now thinking there's got to be someone's got to name me a a, a woman. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Um, That's not a woman. Captain Marvel is a woman all right okay look at that okay I say oh no I was confusing Captain Marvel with Captain America right oh yeah Captain Marvel was great yes Mm -hmm. We have to have more. What's what wrong with me? Okay, more women. I'm going to come up with a list of Marvel, Marvel superhero women and we're going to post that. Um, uh, and uh, anyway, so those are some of them. Uh, I'd be interested to hear back from Eric and Mateus about who their favorite ones are and why. But boy, oh boy, that is a project for folks. I mean, how many Marvel movies are there? There's about 24 Marvel movies. So if you don't know what to do with your time, you can start there uh, exploring the Marvel Universe, which is kind of a cool thing. Lots of people are doing it.
0: So there you go. Rachel's first press conference for kids and maybe won't be the last one. I think there may be an opportunity to do this again. And one other cool thing, just the day before that, so that was on Friday, on Thursday, Sarah Hoffman, so the MLA for Edmonton, Gonora, our uh, our official opposition critic for education, she held the very first edition of Storytime with Sarah. So live on Facebook, streaming from her Facebook page. You can check that out. Just go to Facebook, search for Sarah Hoffman. You can find the clip of this there and she will be there you can find out what the schedule is gonna be she's gonna be hosting more editions so this past Thursday Sarah took some time to sit down and read a book called Stuck by Oliver Jeffers here's a little bit of that
2: so today we're gonna read Stuck and it's by Oliver Jeffers and um, I'm just gonna get straight to it so it starts by saying it all began When Floyd got his kite stuck up in a tree, he tried pulling and swinging, but it wouldn't come unstuck. I wonder if we're going to be able to go outside and fly kites soon. Probably, it's getting warmer, maybe a little bit of wind. It's actually probably a good thing to do when you're social distancing because you can be quite far away from each other. The trouble really began when he threw his favorite shoe to knock the kite loose, and that got stuck too. You see the kite right there? He threw up his other shoe to knock down his favorite shoe. And unbelievably, that got stuck as well. So here we go, a kite and two shoes. And in order to knock down his other shoe, Floyd fetched Mitch. Poor little Mitch. Do any of you at home have cats or dogs that you're playing with right now? Which do they like to snuggle up when you're reading a story? Cats get stuck in trees all the time, but this was getting ridiculous. It is pretty ridiculous. See a cat, two shoes, a kite. So Floyd fetched a ladder. He was going to sort this out once and for all. Oh, left my finger. Good thing I'm at home by myself. Shouldn't be licking your fingers these days if you can help it. And up, he threw it. I'm sure you can guess what happened. Can you guess? There you go. A tree with a ladder, and a cat, and two shoes, and a kite. The ladder was borrowed from a neighbor, and would definitely need to be put back before anyone noticed. And in order to do so, Floyd flung a bucket of paint at it. What? the heck, that doesn't seem like the best idea,
0: does it? There you go. So Sarah's a pretty good reader, and she's got a good collection of books. So again, you can check that out. Sarah Hoffman on Facebook. Find out more about when the next story time with Sarah is going to happen. So thanks so much for tuning in this week, folks. Uh, Again, you know, if you've got some ideas, uh, you want to talk to us a bit about how you're handling things in self-isolation. How are you coping with the coronavirus, the COVID-19 epidemic? How are you dealing with things at home? What are creative Ways you're staying in touch with your friends, keeping plugged into things, and trying to get that social time at a time when we got to be socially distancing uh, or physically distancing, I should say. So yeah, let us know. The herd pod on Twitter or Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Let us know. Uh, and if you want to follow me personally, and so to keep tabs on what I'm working on and what we've got coming up, uh, you can you can follow me at d Y-E-G, y e g d y e g. That's on Twitter. That's on Instagram. And uh, uh, and also on Facebook, facebook.com backslash D Y E G. So we'll look for you out there. And to take us out today, we've got uh, some music here from a great new Alberta Artist of the Week, uh, a group called Mickey Green. Now Mickey Green is a duo. They're based out of here in Edmonton, uh, con- consisting of Mickey Green and Brandon Kaiser. So the two of them met during a high school talent show back in 2016, and they've been working together since to evolve sort of an acoustic root sound with layers of production to give it a bit of an alternative synth-pop wave. So it's a dynamic that makes for some very intimate performances. You got. Some some acoustic chords, some sort of dark bass rhythms, and dramatic lyrics. So to take us out today, here's duo Mickey Green from Edmonton with the song I Think He Wants Her in a White Dress. Thanks, folks. We'll see you next week.
4: Wrapped around your lungs like the drugs you take Seeped into the soles of your shoes I hate Her heart on your sleeve which isn't beating to mine We weren't made to lie so you blurred the lines Wrapped around your hands that search through my mind I don't know what you expected to find Her name on your lips with which you suffocate me All the wrong things that you wish you could be She's sweating
5: your neck, the blood in your sink The breath in your mouth, the rhythm in your hips Smelling your bed, striking your kiss she the water, the water you drink She's sweating your neck, the blood in your sink Breath in your mouth,
4: the rhythm stitched on your shirts. The money that she gave you, hands up her skirt. You sure look cold as she is dripping away. You lose my lips to your yeah, eyes, such a cliche. She's girl the water, the water you drink, she's sweating, your neck, the blood in
5: your sink, the breath in your mouth, from the rhythm of your hips. Smelling your bed, she's in your kiss. She's girl the water, the water you drink, she's sweating, your neck, the blood in your sink. Breath in your mouth, the rhythm of your hips, Smelling your bed is shocking.